Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome back to the Land of Bourbon and Bad Decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on Podbean. Uh, I see, uh, <clears throat> looking at the chat board here, I see that uh, Scuba Steve and Kim have joined the show. Glad to have you here along for the train wreck. I wanted to say ride, but yeah, train wreck's more fun. Um, so, uh, one of the crazy stories that popped up uh, that I haven't seen anywhere is... Uh, it's a story about using the Patriot Act to go after free speech and free press. Um, now, for many of us who are on the right side of things, uh, the Patriot Act, when it was first unveiled uh Post 9-11, you know, so late 2001, early 2002, it seemed like one of those, well, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong, so, yeah, why not? If, if yeah, It's it's not going to hurt me if, you know, they're reporting that, you know, I had a huge deposit at the bank or a huge withdrawal or the books I'm getting at the library. I mean, I'm not doing anything wrong, so what's it matter? Um, well, and as time has gone on, I think a lot of people on the right have kind of moved away from that idea of, well, if it's not, if I'm not doing anything wrong, what does it matter if they're paying attention? Well, the story I'm going to get into is is kind of crazy. Um, because again, this This story is not a matter of national security. It's a matter of New York policing, which it's just one of those things. It's it's kind of mind-blowing in how this was used for what they did. Uh, Looking at the story, uh, I think... So, new legal papers have revealed that New York Police Department cited the Patriot Act, a post-9-11 anti-terrorism law, in an attempt to gain access to a New York Post reporter's Twitter data last year. And keep in mind, this story was, uh, it was published two days ago. And again, I haven't seen anything of it outside of this news, this news story. This is, um... The subpoena is dated December 9th, 2019, which is less than two weeks after city's current police commissioner, Dermot Shea, was sworn in. The subpoena orders Twitter to turn over a massive amount of data associated with the account of Tina Moore, the New York Post Police Bureau chief, between October 9th and October 14th, 2019. Requested data from this period includes any and all detailed subscriber profile, contact billing, and payment information associated with the account, any and all email addresses, screen names, usernames, and domain names associated with the account, any and all internet protocol data, MAC address data associated with the account, including historical data, length of service data, and connection logs. Holy cow, this is a mouthful. Related to the account, uh, subject, and associated electronic devices. And the reason they're doing it is because it's a phishing expedition. Um, because someone from within the newspaper had released crime scene photos. They leaked them out to her. And so now they're, they're using this to go after her 
find out who all of her contacts are, who emailed these photos, which, yes, they're crime scene photos. You want to keep those hush-hush, especially if it's something really grisly. Or if there's a, maybe there's a detail that they don't want to make public. So if they get the person who they believe is responsible for the crime, maybe they'll say something that a det- they'll give a detail that wasn't public knowledge. And that way police can use photos to verify, okay, yeah, this is right where they said it was, even though we didn't release it. But, um, in this case, the police is trying to go after one of their, one of their own. They are going, you know, they're they're looking for whoever had access to these photos and, you know, who was giving it to the press. And, And I understand from, you know, the law enforcement angle, you don't, again, you don't want your people giving out this information. It's very, very important that they don't. But at the same time, if, you know, it's part of free speech where it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, the this crime scene photo, it does have a public interest, so we're going to release it. But uh, going further into the story here, Additionally, the legal papers request that Twitter not inform more about the subpoena for 90 days. However, Twitter emailed more, alerted her about the subpoena, and says deadline to produce the records was Thursday. So, was on uh, Thursday of that week. And so, not only were they going to, did they subpoena these records, they also went out of the way to say, uh, yeah, and don't tell her about it, because, you know... Heaven forbid she, you know, delete stuff that can be found using the Wayback Machine. Or through data caching somewhere else. After lawyers from New York Post contacted New York Police Department, they withdrew the subpoena on Wednesday of that week. Moore had obtained and tweeted a crime scene photo between October 9th and October 14, 2019, and the NYPD subpoena appears to be centered around an investigation into the leaked photo, according to New York Post. Oh my gosh. You ever, you ever get to reading an article and it, you get caught up on a grammar thing? It's just like, it trips you up. This, is, this kind of happens to me a lot. So you, you'll hear, Kim says, yes, it does happen to her too. Yeah, um, I'll be reading these articles and I just stop because grammatically this doesn't make sense. What the hell? A NYPD official said the department was, quote, conducting an investigation of a person who leaked crime scene photos, end quote. When asked about the subpoena, they added, quote, Tina Moore was never the focus of our investigation, end quote. Lawyers said the signing of the Patriot Act and subpoena was a strange move, while legal experts described it as, quote, George Orwell-level shocking, end quote. And and this is the kind of stuff, you know, we on the right, um, those of us who tend to lean more libertarian, worry about having such wide uh, wide scope of policing and surveillance powers within the federal government. They can come up with an excuse as to why they need to have XYZ power and then to turn around and use it on us, even though we may have done nothing wrong. Again, if a person is leaking photos I understand you have to do your investigation but using the person who published the photo whether it was an online article whether it was it something that was tweeted out whether it was something that was actually published in the paper and going through all of their email contacts in order to figure out Oh, who who could have possibly sent it? Who who was uh, you know, who here is 
part of the police department? Who here has connections to the police department? Um, someone just got about three gallons of ice in the kitchen. I'm sure you heard it. One second here. Yeah, uh, trying to prevent last week's um, five-minute conversation with the dog who stood outside the door whining to come inside. So, sorry about that. The joys of a live show when you don't have the best facilities to do a live show. Yay! And... So, mm, going back to the article, retired NYPD cop turned attorney. Wow, that's, uh, that's almost a mouthful right there, too. Eric Sanders said the subpoena has absolutely nothing to do with the Patriot Act and added, this isn't what the Patriot Act was intended for. Sanders also described the subpoena as, quote, fishing expedition. Hmm, I wonder where I got that earlier. And said, quote, they are trying to, they are trying to chill her. And they are trying to chill their employees for giving information. It's a First Amendment issue, end quote. And I agree 100%. I do understand that, yes, there does have to be a fine line between um, sharing vital information for the public good with the press and holding back information because you don't want to make it public knowledge in case you get a suspect and, you know, you're trying to get them to reveal details that, you know, if they saw it on the front page of the New York Post, then everybody knows. Where if you have stuff that you have pictures of, and they can give you information and it's not available. It's easy to corroborate that, yeah, I'm pretty sure Bob here's the one who committed X crime. But again, when you're using a federal surveillance act, which this is a shocker. The Patriot Act was written long before 9-11. But if you remember uh, the, uh, oh, which Obama person was it? Ah. Is it is one, one of his advisors, the Rahm Emanuel. Rahm Emanuel said you never let a crisis go to waste. Well, for years, even before George Bush was elected, they were trying to get this Patriot Act passed. Then 9-11 happened, and oh my goodness, we can expand our uh, surveillance state. And it, you know, yeah, they did have some good uh, conservative names attached to it. Not necessarily Warhawks and Neocons, but, you know, People who are generally concerned about, you know, our country's safety and homeland security. But they got it pushed through and then, you know, now here it is nearly 20 years later and we're still dealing with the consequences and ramifications as it's expanded and even even not at the federal level, like actual legislation expanding it, but its use is becoming more widespread. In this instance, a Homeland Security Anti-Terror Act is being used to uh, put pressure on a journalist to figure out who she got a uh, daggum picture from, from the NYPD. Uh, Adam Scott Wan, Want, W-A-N-D-T, an assistant professor of public policy at John Jay College. We are slowly becoming like China. 
because of the Patriot. I don't think slowly uh, quite accurately describes it, Kim. I think it's uh, quickly becoming like China. Granted, they started ahead of us, but we're doing a darn good job catching up. And as brought up last week, these little handheld computers that we carry around, they make it so much easier for the federal government to track us, to do this, that, and the other. And we voluntarily give up the information. I mean, it it is what it is. Anyways, it's uh, Adam Scott Went, the assistant professor of public policy at John Jay College, who specializes in digital forensics and cybersecurity, said the requested connection data could leave a network trail of more and allow NYPD to geolocator. Former Manhattan prosecutor Andrew Stengel said there are absolutely no grounds for a police department to subpoena the social media records of a journalist. And I agree 100%. Who sent her the picture? That's not a Patriot Act function. Again, if if they're trying to make the make the case that someone had sent her information that was critical in protecting the country from a terror attack, then you could make the argument of yes, we need this information and we need we're going to cite the Patriot Act to do it. However, this was a you know, this should have been an internal affairs. All right, who who sent the picture of the crime over over at one two three Plaza? You know, to this journalist, we need to figure it out. You know, and was it sent from a? And you know, you could probably use internal network uh, information to be able to. Do that. I would imagine that if they have the ability to subpoena all of this stuff from Twitter that they wanted from her, their IT people could figure out, hey, we can search our you know system for when this file was sent, and we can you know kind of narrow it back how did this photo end up on you know getting sent from our system outside um uh in the uh intel world whenever you have uh in any kind of information that crosses from say unclassified into secret or from secret into an unclassified system or a top secret into any sort of or any lesser classified database it's called a leakage and this would be an example of a leak or of a leakage if it got from the in network to say it was emailed from an NYPD computer into some, you know to somebody's personal email and if it was in their professional email, they could pull it. it, it it's not an incredibly hard concept. Um, now, I granted, I'm sure that their uh, their email network is not as sophisticated as, say, the Department of Defense. Uh, when I was in. We always had to be very, very cognizant of the stuff that we were attaching. Um, we were, we would routinely email paperwork that was chock full of social security numbers and other uh, personally identifying information, because that's the way the army's going is doing it all on digits, and so it was really easy to say, hey. Where did this uh, file originate from? Where is this file being stored at? And if it somehow made its way across platform, it was really easy to find out, especially when your uh, 
battalion intel officer shows up, you know, and says, uh, excuse me, Sergeant so-and-so, you sent this information on this network, and yeah, this was sensitive, You or this was a secret, uh, this was a secret document, you couldn't email that on this network, and we are, we are pulling your uh, credentials. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy that, you know, they, they can't figure out, you know, how, how this uh, picture got out without having to go and run back trail on some journalist's, uh, Twitter account because, well, she tweeted it. So maybe if we can get all of her information, we can figure out where it came from on our end. I know. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I will be back just one minute. Do you love what you hear on the Relentless Daring Podcast? Do you want to show the world your support for this podcast? This is Tyler from Relentless Daring asking you to go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash relentlessdaring and check out our merchandise there. We have t-shirts, hoodies, hats, coffee cups, travel mugs. Go there, check it out, and use it to show the world your love of this podcast. And as always, stay relentless. All right, uh, welcome back. A quick little break there for just a second. Um, so one of the other things that kind of popped up. So over in uh, the University of California, they have grad students who work for the school. This is a, not an uncommon thing. Yeah, you know, I have a friend who, while he was working through his, uh, his uh, Ph.D., he worked for Mizzou. Yeah, you know, as a as a student teacher, you know, he had he had his uh, master's degree, so he was, you know, he was an assistant to for uh, one of his for one of the classes there, and that's what helped pay for his degree. Well, in California, they have this wonderful thing where the uh, student employees are unionized. Yeah, because obviously if you're a student at a university, you need to have collective bargaining. Yay, thank you, United Soviet Socialist Republic of California. So, uh, this is a story. The University of California president, Janet Napolitano, uh, you may remember her from such roles as governor of Arizona or... Department of Homeland Security Secretary blasts wildcat strike at UC Santa Cruz. University of California President Janet Napolitano on Friday condemned a multi-day grad student worker strike at UC Santa Cruz this week that resulted in 17 arrests, saying there would be consequences, including potential job losses. Hundreds of grad students gathered at the campus this week to demand a cost-of-living increase of $1,412 a month, according to the Washington Post. Because $1,400 a month in California will allow you to rent um, a broom closet at some rundown flea bag motel. Face it, if you've never looked at real estate prices in California, they are so ridiculous. A my house in California would probably net an easy $1.5 million, and it's not that big of a house. It's not even that fancy of a house. I mean, but again, it's California. It's it, it, it's crazy. 
Uh, Napolitano and a letter students and faculty wrote that the unauthorized strike was in direct violation of their existing collective bargaining agreement with the United Automobile Workers, which represents grad students across the UC system. So you have... You have college students... And they're organized. They're they're a union, but they're not AFL CIO. They're not SEIU. They're UAW. I'm I'm trying to make this make sense in my head. It I really can't. Maybe they're expecting a. You know, all these kids from UC Santa Cruz to, uh, I don't know, move to Detroit and, you know, supervise a robot building a car. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those weird, weird things about who they can get to uh, represent. <laughs> Kim says she stopped trying to figure out anything from California. I, I figure out the oranges because if you know when the orange season is, you can get great Valencia and great navel oranges from from Southern California. And, and you know, I think they're better than Florida oranges. That's just me. The university's... Oh, my goodness. Uh, Pomerania, I thought, was going to like rip my arm off. Anyways, uh, the university system, I swear to, leave it to the dogs to make this uh, very entertaining train wreck. The university system president, who was governor of Arizona from 2003 to 2009, and U.S. Homeland Security Secretary under President Barack Obama from 2009-2013, said the school wouldn't reopen the agreement. Good. They're college kids. They should be lucky that they're getting the opportunity to work at the university and maybe prevent, uh, I don't know, having so much student debt because they can take their, take their wages and, I don't know, apply it to their bill. Just saying. Quote, to accede to the demands of a group of employees engaged in unauthorized wildcat strike would undercut the very foundation of an agreement negotiated in good faith by the UAW and ratified by thousands of members across the system, she wrote. Napolitano said administrators are sympathetic to the high cost of living near campus, but a strike isn't the way to get rid of what they want. And this is coming from a person who historically has been in favor of strikes. This is my personal commentary, not the commentary of the article. But again, you know, as a person who believes in collective bargaining and they're having to go, oh, well, the agreement's not up yet and we're not going to start renegotiating now. I will give her props that she is, you know, standing by the agreement that's in place. She said the school chancellor has already proposed two solutions. A 2500 need-based housing fellowship and a five-year funding program at the minimum support level of 50% teaching assistant assistantship for doctoral students. Quote, however holding undergraduate grades hostage and refusing to carry out contracted teaching responsibilities is the wrong way to go. Therefore, participation in the Wildcat strike will have consequences up to and including the termination of existing employees at the university. <clears throat> and this, I'm actually shocked that they are standing be you know, behind the school in this labor dispute, because usually the crazy lefties are, they're going to take the side of the strikers. 
And to come out and say, you know, we understand, but again, I, like I said, I, I applaud uh, Janet Napolitano in this, uh, in this decision as president of the university. Now, granted, she may 100% want to go, you know what, we'll, we'll give them their extra money. But she's just, you know, being uh, held back by the trustees of the university. That's, that's a all well, all perfectly plausible. Um, it, it just comes down to, because at the end of the day, yes, it's a state university. It is a not-for-profit university. You know, the kind of uh, universities that the leftists all love because, well, they're not just trying to steal your money. They're not just out there for to get your student loan debt and you know to put you in student loan debt. So that way you will never survive on your own once you get out of the school system. Which that's an entire another topic. Not to follow the universities, follow the federal government because they subsidize student loans, and then suddenly universities are like, "Hey, we have an opportunity to make more money for the school." Both the for-profit universities, your Kaplan's, your University of Phoenix Online, all those, and you know your your state-run institutions, your not-for-profit uh, universities and colleges, who they run on endowments. But you know, they're, if if they can get federal funds to keep a class going. They will gladly take your Stafford subsidized student loan. Don't worry, don't worry. Our student, our our financial aid department will gladly help you with your FAFSA. Because why would you want federal student aid? Oh yeah, because if you default on your federal student student aid, and eh, don't worry about those. You know, just take it out of your taxes when, next time you file. On Wednesday, students linked arms sat in front of the main entrance to campus for several hours, resulting in 17 arrests the post reported. Now you have to click a button to see more of the story. Protesters accused officers of using excessive force during the protest, but officers said they're just trying to keep everyone safe, according to the post. Quote, Officers repeatedly tried to de-escalate the situation and made clear that blocking this major roadway had to stop or it would lead to arrest. University spokesman Scott Hernandez Jason. That's an interesting last name. Hernandez Jason. It's spicy and then all of a sudden vanilla and plain at the end. Weird. Said in an email Thursday according to the Post. Quote, failing to comply with an Order to disperse and obstructing a roadway is extremely dangerous and is also against the law, end quote. Uh, University of California's Chief Operating Officer, Rachel Nava, wrote a letter to UAW Local 2865 asking them to stop the protest, but the union asked the school to consider the students' demands because they're not asking, they're asking to help pay for living in Santa, you know, live in Santa Cruz, California, because, oh my gosh, everyone just wants to be here. And it's it's not that much to ask that you make it easier. Well, I'm sorry, but, you know, maybe, just possibly a thought. Before you run off to college... In a place with a ridiculously high cost of living, maybe you could consider, I don't know, doing the math. I'm sure several of these people who are uh, sitting out there getting arrested or just genuinely complaining about not getting paid enough money, I'm sure... That they are all members of the Yang Gang, so they know all about the math. 
Let's see. Scuba Steve says Portland police should take lessons from these guys on how to deal with Antifa. If California can make arrests for blocking roads, Portland can arrest Antifa for violence. Absolutely. The problem is Portland has a mayor who I'm you never see him or Antifa in the same place at the same time. So, I would not be shocked to see someday if uh, someone gets arrested and they pull his mask off because no one in Antifa has the uh, the cojones, if you will, <coughs> pardon me, to actually do their, quote, protests without a mask on. So, I wouldn't be surprised when they see them pull the mask off the off one of these Antifa protesters and it's going to be like an episode of Scooby-Doo. It's like, all right, gang, we've caught him. Let's take off the mask and see who this villain really is. (gasps) It's the mayor of Portland. That would not surprise me one bit in the least. Um, He has made it very clear that, well, I, I, I don't want to get in the way of their because you know they're they're chasing off the Nazis and the the fascists, which this is not a paid for advertising or advertisement. Oh my goodness, I can't speak. Ominous revelation music plays. You mean but um, I'm reading a I'm say reading. I'm having it read to me. It's an audiobook, but um, the Big Lie by Dinesh D'Souza, great history on the left and fascism and Nazi roots of the American left. Kim says it would definitely make sense if he was out there with him. I that's what I'm thinking is that part of the reason he does not want it to. I mean, he's already said he agrees with them. So, why would he break up? That's, I mean, uh, Andy No just had a video, I think last week, of police telling him, uh, we're not going to come in there and save you if they start attacking you, bro. I mean, he's, yeah, he's he's a rabble rouser. I get it. Um, Andy No is not exactly, um... As pure as the driven snow, as they would say. However, the fact... Just because he's willing to go out in the middle of these crowds in Portland and film the ridiculousness going on there, that should not be a reason to uh, not go in and drag him out if these goons you know, put a brick upside his head. It's... But, you know, I guess to serve and protect only goes so far. In fact, I believe there's been um, court rulings that have said, yeah, they really don't have to because police exist to enforce current law. They are not, you know, legally liable for protecting someone who intentionally puts themselves in a bad situation. Um, I know here in Missouri, if they have to do a swift water rescue because you were stupid and tried to navigate a low water crossing during a flash flood, uh, there have been people charged. They have, they, they weren't ticketed. But they were charged restitution for having to get the uh, police and fire and rescue and the boats out to go pull them out of the creek because, oh, my Honda Civic will make it through this 10 inches of rushing water. I know you would think people who have lived in the state their entire lives would know better than to try crossing rushing water at a low water crossing, but... It happens. Or, or you know, we actually, we had a mailman that we lost several years ago who, um, 
eh, water gets over this part of the road all the time. No big deal. Goes across it and no, 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 no. Water didn't go over the road. Water had completely washed it away. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. That's just kind of me going down the rabbit trail. And then another fun story because I've already done one, the left eating its own. Uh, This is a town hall article, and it is uh, published earlier today. This is the actual headline. Yikes. The queer community isn't happy with Mayor Pete. Like I said, I'm quoting the headline because I know there's going to be someone who listens to the podcast who doesn't like what I have to say. Oh my God. Did he say what I think he did? And yeah, I did say what you think I did because I read the damn headline. Uh, the LGBTQIA2 plus plus XYZ community in San Francisco isn't happy with former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg. They feel as though he fails to represent their community. Huh. On Friday, two protesters were booted from a fundraiser at the National LGBTQIA2 plus Center for the Arts for attempting to ask him a question. When it became obvious that they were protesters, supporters began chanting, Boot, edge, edge, boot, edge, edge. Boot his backside out of this uh, campaign. That's just my opinion. Quote, I'm definitely proud of the fact that a gay candidate has made it thus far, but it's hard to enjoy or appreciate when his stances are so middle of the road and speak to a predominantly white, upper-class audience. End quote. Sally Tameo Lee, one of the women who was kicked out of the event, told The Guardian. Those who feel he's too moderate take issue with Buttigieg not supporting Medicare for all, free college tuition, his issues with the black community, and his size to billionaire donors. I'm going to take a second. I'm just going to pause right there. Now, they're, they're concerned about his uh, lack of support for Medicare for all. No, 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 no. He 100% supports having a single-payer system. However, uh, he is more along the lines of, you know, if we just try to do this all at once, it's going to go horribly. So, what we do is Medicare for those who want it. Because he's a pro-choice guy, you know. You should be able to choose if you want to be on Medicare or not. Although, if employers are given the choice of insure your employees or let them go on Medicare. Pregnant pause. I'm going to let you fill in the blanks on your own. Because the Employers are going to go, wait, I can save money by not having to pay for their insurance? They can just go on Medicare? And so Medicare, for those who choose it, will rapidly become Medicare for all because there's going to be a lot of of businesses who decide they're not going to pay for their employees' insurance anymore. Well, I'm uh, sorry, Frank, but um, we just can't offer the insurance anymore. But, you know, here's the number for the Medicare office. You can give them a call and they'll get you signed up. And this is one of those, uh, one of those Trojan horses, one of the back doors that has, they really haven't talked about. In fact, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about, and I've listened to several different, uh, you know, talk radio shows. But, yeah, the Medicare for those who want it will rapidly evolve into Medicare for all. Because, again, there are going to be a lot of people who stop paying for their insurance. There's going to be, there's going to be people who are on fixed incomes or they're just on a low-income period 
they can't they can't afford insurance on their own and you know maybe their employer doesn't offer it guess what they're going to do they're going to get on the medicare for all and you know and look at some of these other things i haven't said any, haven't really heard anything on his college tuition thing but I would not be surprised if he's just kind of kept that one under wraps. But again, I don't know for sure, so I'm not really going to comment on it. Uh, his issues with the black community, yeah. Um, he's when you're the mayor of a of any city, I'm amazed that they haven't made more out of uh, Mike Bloomberg. I mean. You know, the Mike Bloomberg is racist hashtag trended for, what, two days? And then they all got pissed off about something else on Twitter and uh, another outrage hashtag ended up trending. I really don't, really wasn't paying that much attention to it because, you know, Twitter outrage is, um, well, it's about as useful as um, tits on a boar hog. Yeah, they're there, but they really don't do much. And it's ties to billionaire donors. That's that's one of those every candidate has the billionaire donors. Seriously, it, yes, they they do have the uh, you know there there's grassroots because well we just want to run a grassroots campaign. We don't. We don't want to buy the election. Oh, shut up. You would, they would take whatever money from whoever wanted to give to them. They're not going to turn down money from a billionaire donor who, you know, maybe, you know, they'll offer the maximum amount that they're allowed to give to a presidential campaign or they'll find a way to make it look like they've bundled a bunch of donations and just give a big chunk of their own money to a campaign or their personal favor as much as they they want to decry the left or decry the right because oh my citizens united citizens united how dare you be able to give an unlimited amount of funds on behalf of a business to a political action committee because they're going to do the same thing on the left, but they're just going to do an exceptionally good job griping about it on the when the right does it. Because it, you know it, it's one of those, it's one of those. Oh, don't look at me taking cookies out of the cookie jar. Uh, look, he's drinking milk straight from the carton. It's one of those you point out someone else's bad act and to take it away from you. That's all it's doing. Um, in Missouri, the left worked to get dark money eliminated from politics. However, the left is far worse about dark money than the right that I have seen. For those of you who don't know what dark money is, it's basically um, someone with lots of money gives to a political action committee <clears throat> or and that political action committee essentially launders the money. I'm using lots of lots and lots of air quotes around launders. I'm not I'm not trying to say that what they're doing is a form of money laundering. It's just kind of the best way to explain it. Politics 101 accuse the other side of that which you are guilty of. Amen. Hallelujah. Pass the collection basket. He got the nail on the head with that one. But anyways, do, do, do. there are issues that don't impact the LGBTQIA2 plus community as a whole, but impact individuals who are also, <clears throat> they, wow, they love to use that Q word. Whatever happened the day when queer was verboten, you, you could not say that word. Now you see it everywhere. It's the queer community. Oh, we're so proud. It's like. I, I don't know. I I feel like I'm being left behind in the dustbin of uh, 
American language because you never know. Today, you can say queer, and it's not bad. Just a few years ago, if you said that about somebody, you were being derogatory and you were being homophobic. I'm sure at some point, you know, calling a calling a former service member a veteran is going to get you smacked. I mean, I don't know. I hope that's not I hope that's not the case, but language, man, it changes all the damn time. Meanwhile, other members of the LGBTQIA2 plus community were outside protesting, quote, Today, we are out here making a statement to Pete Buttigieg, who's running for president, that if he's coming into San Francisco, he needs to be meeting with real people. He's having a high, collar, a high dollar fundraiser in the National LGBTQ Center for the Arts. He's not reached out to any of the community groups on the ground who do the work to outreach to people, end quote. Quarter brought up a valid point. The Bay Area is going through a housing crisis. <laughs> the Bay Area is going through a housing crisis. No, 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 no. The Bay Area is going through a homeless crisis. You can tell because you can smell it everywhere you go and you might want to watch your step. Landmines are lurking everywhere. Uh, quarter Rob Valpoint Bay is going through a housing crisis. People have to pick between attending a thousand dollar fundraiser for the former Indiana politician or use that money for rent. If they're going to the fundraiser, I doubt they're they're too concerned about their rent. In fact, they probably live outside the city and they're driving in, and they have the income necessary to be able to afford the rent and not even bat an eye. But that's neither here nor there. According to Mercury News, tickets for the fundraising event, which were sold out, range from price to $250 all the way up to $2,800. For $1,500, a person can get preferred seating at various events, like a town hall meeting or a luncheon. For $2,800, a voter could do a meet and greet with the presidential candidate and and host a fundraiser. To get around that quarter and her group, Queers Against Pete, wow, they really don't like him, hosted a People's Coffee. Carl! Yes, 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 I know, I know. Oh, faithful producer, the people's anything, very Marxist, I know. People's Coffee event outside Buddha's event in hopes that he would come out and speak with the people. I doubt he did. According to the queer filmmaker Jethro Padalingig, where do they find these people with their weird names? Doesn't even I can't even say it. Padalinghug. Buddha's doesn't represent the community. Quote, I think it's important to note that he's been using his gay card to propel his campaign up to this point. But he's not representative of our community. He may be representative of part, but not all, especially the most marginalized and disenfranchised. The filmmaker said Buttigieg fails to compare to other LGBTQ heroes like Jose Saria and Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk, who has very credible allegations of being a pedophile rapist. And his, uh, let's not forget his close associations with, you know, Jim Jones, the crazy leftist professor, or preacher, who took a bunch of his followers to Guyana, where they ended up drinking the Flavor-Aid and killing themselves, as well as gunning down a sitting congressman. Queers against Pete take issue with Buttigieg for seven, for seven reasons. And let's see if I can find. Uh, they have these all in tweet format instead of writing them out. One, Wall Street Pete is not progressive candidate we need. He flip flopped on Medicare for all. No, he didn't. He is undermining our movement to make healthcare a human right for all. 
Two, Pete has uh, refused to address concerns over 2019 police murder of Eric Logan. I thought he did. Maybe I'm just, you know, stupid. I don't know. It's possible. I was just an infantryman after all. Pete Buttigieg proposes free universal college, student loan cancellation, universal health care. It's because we can't afford it, stupid. Black Lives Matter South Bend is waiting on Pete to release tapes related to, de- to the demotion of Daryl Boykin's first black person to serve as police chief in the city. That would be kind of interesting to see, but I doubt it was directly his choice to do that, but that's neither here nor there. Five, Pete has, quote, more donations from billionaires than anybody else in the presidential race. Who is he accountable to, end quote? I don't know, you also have two billionaires in the race who I'm pretty sure they think they're buying the election. Who were they accountable to if they're funding their own damn campaigns? Six, Pete has not committed to decriminalizing crossing the border. Because it's our damn border, it's our security. You're an idiot. And seven, as South Bend Mayor, Pete demolished homes of those who couldn't afford repairs. That's not something that's unheard of. Because, you know what, eventually if you can't afford to fix it, it's going to cave in on your head anyways. And I'm pretty sure he didn't, you know, knock down the house while they were still sitting there. Uh, When fundraiser attendees came out from the event, they accused protesters inside of being homophobes. I wonder how many of the people inside were gay themselves. It's like Bernie Sanders being a self-hating Jew. Um, It just doesn't make sense. But, yeah, it's... Again, it's the left eating its own. And that's going to do it uh, for the show tonight. Again, those of you who tuned in and listened live, thank you so very much. Uh, you know, Steve and Kim, my faithful uh, duo who are always here. Aw, Kim said it's a great show. Thank you, Kim. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, I ask you to do four things, especially if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. Number one, subscribe. Mash that subscribe button. You'll get you'll get updated every time the uh, show goes up and is available for download. And also, it helps the algorithm find more people to listen to the show. Number two, I want you to rate it, giving that five star review. If you even if you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, he's okay. I mean, he's he's not great, but he's okay. Embellish because you embellish it again. More subscribers. More five-star reviews helps more people like you find me. Number three, I want you to review it. Write a nice review. Tell people what you think. That way, when that person who hasn't heard the show, they see it's a five-star reviewed show, they read the review, and they go, oh, wow. Always a pleasure. Awesome show. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate that. You know, they see the review, they read it, and they go, oh, okay, I, I think I'll give this a shot. And the number and the last thing, the old number four, share it. You know, copy the link, share it with your friends, send out a text by, hey, check this guy out. Either A, you'll love him, or B, this is a really awesome prank. I'm trolling you because I know he's gonna piss you off to no end. Yes, you can use me to troll all of your liberal friends. I don't have a problem with that. Makes my day. Also, be sure to go to RelentlessDaring.com, RelentlessDaring.com. There you can uh, you can stream the show there. You can uh, link over to the merch shop. I'm still working on uh, trying to get everything centralized through the, through the actual web page. But, you know, moving parts you got to deal with. So it's slowly coming together. You can also link over to Patreon and become a sponsor over there. All of your donations on Patreon, they go back to getting equipment. So hopefully I can sound a little bit more professional, maybe a little less amateurish. Whatever it is what it is, Every all the help I get from you, all the listeners, makes this worth it. Again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And as always... Stay relentless.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 